Network at JournalKing.com. Welcome to the Paranormal News Insider for the week of December 20. Uh, I guess it's the 28th. My gosh, it's almost over. 28th, 2021. This is it. The last show of 2021. And uh, officially, I guess, episode 498. We're getting there, too. We're getting close to that magical 500. I don't know what happens when we hit 500, but something happens. Uh, but yes, it's December 28th. And uh, the last show of 2021. Good riddance, I say. Uh, not a great year. Uh, a little bit better than last year for most people. Uh, but still a tough year, I think, overall. And, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to next year. 2020 was horrible. Horrendous. Uh, but 2021, eh, not too far behind, I don't think. And tonight, we're going to talk a little bit more about 2021 as we reflect back on the top 10 paranormal news stories of 2021. And uh, who knows, maybe some predictions for 2022. I haven't done that in a long time. I know the uh, buddy Jim Mallard likes to do predictions. He did that a while ago on his show, The Mallard Report. Uh, maybe we'll do some predictions here. What's going to happen to the paranormal news next year? And will COVID-19 be the number one story next year or this year? Well, we kind of already talked about that. I think that cat is out of the bag. Uh, COVID-19 was the number one story on my list of top 10 paranormal news stories last year. And the reason for that is it affected the paranormal. Uh, hands down, uh, canceling uh, more events than uh, some of the people that were stealing money from participants. I won't go down that that road, but uh, more cancellations that I've than anyone's ever seen in the paranormal uh, for events. Cancellations, uh, stuff being rescheduled that eventually was rescheduled again and ultimately canceled. It, it was a disaster last year, but not only that. It's, uh, there was also a couple of paranormal news stories that were related to that. You might remember um, Kim Kardashian, of all people, launched one of the stories. I believe that was about the Sylvia Brown prediction. She seems like a Sylvia Brown reader to me. Um, where Sylvia Brown made a general prediction, a generalized prediction, sometime around 2020, we're going to have a disease that's going to float around. Really basic, generalized. That's what um, most psychics do. You know, if you, if you spitball, if you throw something against the wall, somebody may tie it to your prediction and say, wow, they were perfect. Uh, even though it's very general information. It's very um, nothing specific about her prediction. However, it uh, was front page news. It was a, a big deal. People were thinking, wow, Sylvia Brown, the late Sylvia Brown, predicted it. Uh, no, she didn't. She uh, was nowhere, uh, no closer than half of her predictions about missing children. And <laughs> we'll leave that one right there. Uh, we also had, uh, what was it, Dean Koontz? One of his books 
where the uh, there was a disease out of Wuhan, China. Imagine that. Again, not a prediction. It was a fiction book of fiction. And it just so happened to uh, to sort of kind of come true. It was a little different, but uh, that was a manufactured disease. And yeah, some people think that's what happened. I don't think so, but I think science has proven that otherwise. But anyway, so that kind of justified COVID-19 for being the number one story last year. Uh, obviously, it affected pretty much everybody on the planet. I've been wearing a mask at work for it's almost two years. It'll be two years in a couple of months, about three months already. So that's crazy uh, that it's still affecting people all over the world. Uh, but I don't want to say we've gotten used to it. It's it's become a little bit more of our everyday life. It's been a little bit more of our culture. It's a little less of a hindrance. I mean, people were ready to go to war here in the United States a couple of years ago. I should say last year. It's going to be a couple of years ago, next week. Uh, but really and truly, it didn't really affect the paranormal that much this year. I mean, all told, uh, yeah, still the number one story for humanity. But the paranormal, I, I don't think it's the number one story. It, it might have made the top ten, maybe. But you still saw a lot of conferences, a lot of conventions. There was a lot of uh, ones that were uh, kind of put off for a little while. Only a handful of cancellations. There was nowhere near what it was last year so i can't really justify it being the number one story plus i i don't know it just didn't really feel like it, it belonged up there for the second year in a row uh seeing that it really wasn't in the news as far as the paranormal was concerned so we'll sidestep that for this year so covid19 is not on the list and uh yeah last week we did crack the top 10 wide open we went from number 10 through, I believe, number 7. I kind of rushed that one in there at the last second, uh, right after our one-hour mark here on the air. And we uh, we also covered some that didn't make the list. Uh, there was 10 stories that uh, I kind of put in the running to potentially make that top 10. But unfortunately, those bottom 10, uh, bottom feeders didn't make the list. And one of those stories had a uh, development uh, just a couple of days ago we'll talk about tonight. Really the only major news story, really the only story we're going to talk about. I want to get th through this list tonight, and we'll wrap it up so we can start the new year fresh next week. Uh, don't fear the Reaper. Uh, don't fear also that you're going to miss anything that I covered last week. Uh, I will cover uh, 10 through 7 briefly uh, but if you want more detail, you can go back and listen to the podcast, the pre or the uh, recorded version, not pre-recorded, post-recorded. I, I, well, I guess you can't post-record. You can pre-record, but you can't post-record. So I guess the recorded version of this show, which it goes from a live radio show to a podcast, and podcasts are cool. Podcasts are in right now, and I won't, you know, I won't make you, I won't force you to have to listen to last week's show. But if you want to. I won't, uh, won't be disappointed in you. It'll be a good thing. Um, and, you know, if, if you're listening to podcasts, I'm sure you're listening to your favorite podcast provider right now, uh, hopefully. Unless you're listening live, then uh, maybe not. But either way, I got an email. Uh, somebody mentioned, hey, I'm not sure if you're aware, but you're not on Pandora. 
and I thought I was, but apparently I'm not. I did a quick search. Didn't see the Paranormal News Insider on Pandora. So uh, did some of the little paperwork for that, put it through. It's going to take a few weeks, but uh, we'll be on Pandora. Sorry about that. I didn't realize. Uh, I do my best. Uh, I upload through Podbean, but uh, also goes through uh, all the big ones, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Amazon, TuneIn, iHeart, Stitcher, Spreaker, so on and so forth. So it's on all the major ones. Uh, well, I guess except for Pandora, but I try my best to, to get it out there to as many places because I know everybody's got their favorite. I know I only got a few on my phone that I listen to or some here at home that I listen to, but I got you covered. So I just wanted to let people know about that. Keep your eyes peeled on Pandora if that's one that you listen to. Uh, also have seen, uh, I've gotten a few people emailing me already about events for next year, paranormal conferences and conventions. Uh, people are ramping it up. They're getting excited. They want to get out. They want to be uh, uh, out and about. They want to uh, put these shows on next year. And uh, there's a, a lot of early dates next year, which is a little nerve-wracking, to be honest. Uh, I spent a lot of time two years ago. Here I go again, two years ago. Last year, 2020. Um, get, I guess I'm getting prepped for it. Uh, last year, canceling all those things, I spent more time on the event website or web page of my website than uh, pretty much anything else I did. Even developing stories at times, I felt like uh, canceling all these things and responding to emails and finding things on Facebook about events canceled and people emailing me all upset. It's my fault that uh, some event down in Texas gets canceled, even though I'm in Ohio and I've got nothing to do with it. I just advertise it. Not my fault. Uh, anyway, uh, but I am, I'm actually kind of excited about it. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, putting those events on there. Uh, I know people get excited. People like doing it. And that's why I like to kind of advertise this stuff for free. I think it's a, it's a great way to, uh, to get out there and to meet people that are also interested in the paranormal. Uh, I, I know it's been a little crazy to get out in the past years, but I think we're, I think we're coming out through the tunnel and I think, uh, once we get through the flu season, we get past, um, people gathering for events, uh, Thanksgiving, we saw a little spike. Actually, we're seeing a pretty decent spike here in the United States. Uh, I know at my job, we're seeing a spike in cases, uh, confirmations, but people are getting, uh, they're getting over it pretty quick. The, uh, if you're getting the new stuff, the new variation. Um, but I, I think after we get through this uh, Christmas and uh, New Year's gatherings, people partying, people getting out there. Um, I, I think, it, you know, obviously after a few weeks, we'll see another spike. But I think after we get through the cough and cold season, the flu season, uh, we hit March, April. I, I think it's just going to kind of fade away and we'll we'll be angry about something else. I'm sure something else more controversial will pop up and we'll argue about that. Um, so yeah, looking forward to updating that. Hopefully next week I, I can announce some of these that, uh, that we have if I get time. Uh, got New Year's coming up though. I don't know. I'm going to spend my time uh, enjoying that. I'm sure. And hopefully you will as well. So I mentioned, uh, one story this week and it's one that didn't make the cut. It, it was close and, uh, there was a little bit of news about it. Uh, earlier this year, back in March, I believe, uh, there was some controversy around the uh, the naming of this scientific venture. Uh, but very, 
very excited that uh, it finally, finally took place on Christmas morning of all days. The uh, scientific community uh, itself received a long overdue gift under the tree. Well, I guess not under the tree, uh, but up in space. And yes, the liftoff of the James Webb Space Telescope occurred early on Christmas morning. I was sleeping, uh, but I did watch the replay on YouTube. I was very excited to see the launch. Um, And this thing is a long time coming. So this show here, we've been on the air since um, 2008. And I've been involved in the paranormal since 1996, which is a long time ago. Well, the year after... When I was just, you know, four feet tall and just a kid, a little whippersnapper, uh, a year later, 1997, the James Webb Space Telescope was first developed. Granted, they didn't call it that back then, but I think it was uh, 2002 it received its official name. Uh, It has overcome numerous delays, a whole page full of delays, uh, a redesign of the entire telescope, uh, they went a little over budget. They were their initial budget was like five hundred million dollars. That's a lot of money. Five hundred million. I mean, uh, I would take I would take ten percent of that. I could, I could deal with that. But uh, yeah, it went a little over budget from that five hundred million to nearly ten billion. That's billion with a, a B dollars over the initial budget. Uh, and this is a, a global venture. This isn't just the United States. This is uh, numerous countries, Canada, uh, European countries. Uh, a lot of people getting involved with the space telescope. This thing is taking over the Hubble space telescope, which also had a lot of uh, issues that it had to overcome. Uh, like I said, the uh, telescope was completed I didn't say that. Completed in 2016. So it's been a few years. This thing's been done. It's been sitting around. Uh, But again, more delays since this time. It was even pushed back a couple of days, uh, what, about a week ago, due to a communication issue with the the satellite to the... um, uh, from on the launch pad. So they had to sit there and try to figure this thing out and uh, get this thing put up in space. And man, I don't know. I was just worried. I know they had a, an issue with the rocket a few years ago as well that they had to do some uh, minor changes. So I was like terrified that this this rocket would blow up or something, and all that money would just uh, fall into the Atlantic Ocean, and that would be not a good thing. Uh, but successful liftoff. It's out in space. It's communicating, and so far, fingers crossed. So good. It's uh, launching into space. And I mentioned there's some controversy. I might as well talk about that. In March, uh, Scientific American Magazine, they published an article stating that James E. Webb, who at the time of uh, from 1961 to 68, I believe, he was the the uh, administrator of NASA. And he was uh, in very, very involved. And obviously, that was a huge portion of our development of the Apollo space program. And he uh, was responsible for a lot of uh, very heavy forward movements. And you'll have that in science where you have small things that happen every now and again. 
small movements forward, and then all of a sudden, great leaps and bounds. And James Webb was responsible for some great leaps and bounds in our journey to space. And unfortunately, the uh, article states that he was involved in the Lavender Scale, or Scare, which was a uh, mass discrimination movement uh, against the um, the homosexuals at the time uh, were viewed as security risks and even communist sympathizers by the U.S. government. This kind of goes along with the Red Scare of communism at the time. You know, not right, messed up. We look back on it and shake our heads like, what the heck were they thinking? Uh, but, you know, a lot of people uh, kind of agreed with it, and we just didn't understand culture within culture at the time. We were stupid. But it's easy to look back on that and, and shake our fingers and shake our heads at it. Um, but NASA, I feel, and I don't support what happened at all. Don't send me hate mail. Uh, but I think they did the right thing, and they said, no, we're not changing the name. We're sticking with James Webb on this on this telescope, and this is what's going to be. It's too late. Um, we know this thing was, was named uh, almost 20 years ago. Why didn't anybody say anything then? It's because of cancel culture. Uh, so it was kind of cool to see that cancel culture lost a battle with this. Again, I don't justify anything, but they didn't feel justified in having to rename the telescope. You know, it's, it's ancient history. They're not supporting what one little thing he did wrong. We're supporting what he did right uh, through uh, many, many years and many big decisions and a, a lot of risks. And unfortunately, a lot of people died for the... Uh, the race into space and uh, which he was responsible for. So there you have it. And uh, the rocket's on its way into space. Uh, it's actually, a lot of people think it's just going to be an orbit uh, like the Hubble. Now it's going to be an orbit, but it's going to be about 1.5 million kilometers from earth. And it's going to be uh, pretty much in the, the earth's shadow of the sun. On purpose, it'll be 1.5 million kilometers. Uh, so it's going to be following the orbit uh, around the sun. Yes, we go around the sun. The Earth goes around the sun, folks. Uh, it's not flat. The sun doesn't go uh, around the Earth. Hate to break it to you, but uh, it's uh, it comes at a cost. So it's in the shadow because it has to stay extremely cold there's some cryogenic stuff on here which is just mind-boggling how cold this thing has to stay so it has to stay out of the sun it's even got a shade on it um but you know a lot of people say well why 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 spend all this money why spend all this this uh, on science who cares is it going to make my tv get better reception it's going to give us more channels on xm radio no no but it could it could discover a lot of things about the uh, the space around us that'll make things make sense for us. Uh, it's a and it's only short lived. It's it's only got a five year mission, and it's five year mission to seek life. And wait, no, no, that's that's Star Trek. So its five year mission is to search for light from the first stars and galaxies that formed the universe in the Big Bang. It can answer some of the biggest questions that we have been pondering, and it's. It's going to, like I said, it's going to replace the, the Hubble. 
which had a lot of problems. Uh, they had to go up in space and fix it. Oh, that's not possible with this one. Uh, this thing is it's either going to work or it's not going to work. Now, they can go up there and they can move it around if it gets out of orbit. Uh, but they can't uh, they can't service it at all. So we're stuck with it. So if it's got grainy, blurry vision, like it's trying to take a picture of Bigfoot, we're stuck with it. We're stuck with it. But it's only supposed to – it's got a five-year mission. Uh, it's going to look at the formation of stars, uh, evolution of galaxies, and it's going to help search for origins of life. So this could answer some big questions out there, and we do have a little bit of time to wait for it. It's going to take about six months for this thing to uh, get where it's going, get its wings spread, and uh, start powering up and getting ready to download some data to send back to us. But I'm telling you, it's going to be a big story next year. Will it make the top ten? We'll see. Uh, probably not going to get too much information out of this thing uh, for a little bit. They still have to disseminate everything and do research on it, so... Uh, just because it's going to start downloading stuff, uh, it takes years to disseminate stuff. Uh, so Arecibo, the telescope that was in the top 10 last year that unfortunately uh, dismantled itself in early December, um, they're still getting data from that, or not getting data from it, but disseminating data and uh, breaking it down and looking at some some new things. There could be new discoveries from Arecibo, even though it's been decommissioned and uh, destroyed for a year. All right, so with that, buckle in, put your uh, tray table up, uh, get ready to rock and roll, because it's time for the top 10 paranormal news stories of 2021. I, I don't know about you, but... Uh, I'm excited. I didn't know last week I told you I, I was a little nervous. I always get a little nervous with this because I know a lot of people kind of have their own thoughts as to what should be number one or what should be number two or three or whatever should be in the top ten period. And I can't make everybody happy. I know there's always somebody who's upset or doesn't agree with it. Um, but again, this is just my opinion. It's, this doesn't mean that this is how it's going to be. Uh, I've never changed Top 10, I've heard some pretty good arguments for certain things to be in, in different spots. And I'll tell you, sometimes it's not as easy as it sounds to, to do this. There's been a, quite a few changes I've made over the course of the last few months, really, just to jockey things into a certain position. But uh, like I also mentioned last week, uh, these these stories are basically put in here based on how viral they are. So how big they were. Uh, if they were just a, a small story in a, in a regional area, a town, a city, or even a state, obviously it doesn't have enough pull as a larger, like a worldwide story, or a story that's lasted only uh, a day before it uh, fell off the uh, the news feed versus a story that's taken months to develop. Uh, but also I, I look at what these stories have contributed. What have they given us? in any field of the paranormal or uh, anything that has to do with strange and unknown things, what do they do? How do they, how have they furthered anything? Our understanding of the universe, the understanding of ourselves or things that we just don't understand or have never understood. Now a story that has uh, the potential to solve some of these problems or 
um, give us answers, I think uh, I give a little bit more weight uh, to those, as, as well as people who have uh, contributed. So a few years ago, uh, well, two years ago, we had uh, Stanton Friedman. His passing, uh, he was the number one story of the year, sadly, due to his passing. Uh, I mean, he... Uh, I mean, he's a huge contributor for the UFO field, and and people uh, all over the world were um, saddened by his loss. And you go uh, a year before that, Art Bell, who really influenced a lot of people, uh, were um, you know shocked and, and saddened by this. And you know, if it wasn't for Art Bell, probably ninety percent of the radio shows that you hear on the paranormal wouldn't be around. A lot of people were influenced by him. Uh, so that's kind of how I look at things. It's kind of how I judge uh, how things are going to jockey into position for the top 10. Uh, very difficult to do this, uh, but I've been doing it for quite a while. So it gets a little easier, uh, but it's still a year where you don't have those stories that just are absolute, absolute uh home runs it's really hard because everything seems to blur together um different spots of, of the uh, of the countdown it could be uh you know i've had years where uh, 20 stories could have cracked the the top 10 you know at least the the lower five you know if not some of them hitting the top 10 and i've had years where three stories could be the number one story and i just kind of had to almost pull it out of a hat um but this year, the number 10 story, if you remember last week, the Loch Ness Monster. Yes, it did make the top 10, but very uh, far down the list this year. Sadly, the uh, story with the Loch Ness Monster was about the drone hoax that uh, kind of unfolded in late September. Where a canoeist tried to pull off a hoax where he had... Uh, a drone picture of the beach, uh, kind of looking straight down, and we saw what looked like the Loch Ness Monster just uh, kind of hanging out down there under the water. Uh, but unfortunately, people tore it apart pretty quickly. I, I was too generous. Uh, I said, that's yeah, probably a mistaken identity. It's probably just shadow and light. But boy, was I wrong. Usually, I'm I'm the one tearing things apart. But uh, yeah, the uh, a lot of people tore this thing apart, and, and it was found that it was... Uh, a, a, uh, taken from a uh, an image of a toy plesiosaur and basically just burned into the video. Um, and it was discovered, uh, the alternate unedited video was discovered online. So, yeah, not good. It's a rookie mistake right now. Uh, so that was your number 10 story. Um I mean, Loch Ness Monster, it, uh, it gets headlines all the time. Anybody sees the Loch Ness Monster, not really the Loch Ness Monster, but they see a wave, they see a shadow, they see a splash in Loch Ness. It's the Loch Ness Monster, and it's front-page news everywhere. It gets a little old, I agree. Uh, but it's, it's funny what people believe. And, and the, I think the belief in the Loch Ness Monster is more powerful than if there were a Loch Ness Monster. I, I think that uh, belief system is bigger than any actual uh, flesh and blood creature that could be in the Loch. 
Uh, but yeah, number 10. Uh, number nine this year was the pilot who reported a UFO, UAP, or uh, basically a missile over New Mexico. And this was an interesting story. It, it kind of sputtered out, and I think that was the biggest problem with this uh, American Airlines flight. 2292, there was a, a radio transmission that was um, basically copied by a researcher and uh, kind of made a story out of it. And uh, it's kind of gained a lot of attention, but uh, the FAA did respond to the claim and, and did admit, yes, this uh, did happen. This recording did occur where a pilot reported seeing uh, something strange in the sky that looked like a, uh, basically like a rocket. But unfortunately, uh, nothing came about it. And it just kind of uh, it just kind of disappeared. Uh, this uh, strange cylindrical object, nothing was ever discovered, nothing was ever found. It was basically just a pilot thinking he saw something. Whether he saw it or not, we don't know. That was just his perspective of, of what happened. Uh, so maybe we'll never really know. Uh, I think that one's uh, just going to sit there. It's one of those stories that unfortunately will never get the solution. It's really irritating. I hate when those things happen. Um, number eight, uh, this is one I kind of struggled with. I, I really wanted this to be higher, uh, but I try to, it's hard sometimes. You got to keep your sub subjectivity out of it. And this one I even packaged together two different stories. And I felt really that uh, a lot of times I kind of do a reach when I bundle stories together. Uh, but this one, I felt like it, it made sense. Uh, it was on the Patterson-Gimlin film, and it really uh, – it was two ends of the spectrum. So in July, uh, there was some information basically that said uh, that uh, there was a claim made that Bob Gimlin, half of the Patterson-Gimlin duo that uh, saw Patty in California back in – uh, 1967, purportedly, could have somebody in a costume, right? Uh, Gimlin supposedly made an admission that the the thing was all made up, and said that uh, when Gimlin and his wife passes away, he's going to make uh, this interview, this admission public. Although uh, Gimlin denied it. Uh, when asked about it, he said, that's crazy. I never did that. That's not true. Uh, he's been pretty steadfast. He's been pretty consistent with his uh, with his take on the whole thing. So I, I don't know. I don't think he's lying. Uh, however, you know, that story is sticking, and we'll see, you know, the, unfortunately, down the road, how things will occur. People will be, you know, jockeying for uh, attention and fame, and nobody will really be able to claim anything for that film uh, once uh, Bob is is gone. Uh, but that's only half of the story. So the other half was uh, the television show The Proof is Out There came on, and uh, that was uh, just fairly recently, earlier in December, and there kind of a rundown of a, a kind of a new version of this. So this was used uh, all the original 22 copies, not the original film, but 22 copies that are, are known to exist. 
They use artificial intelligence. They kind of intelligence. They splice this thing together, and they got the best view that you're ever going to get of this film. Um, and it was stabilized, which granted we've all seen the stabilized footage of this before. They've they've made it in 4K, but the this is probably the clearest. I have ever seen this video, and I'll tell you, it was a little scary to watch this. It was You saw detail you've never seen before. If you still have not seen that, you need to look at it. It's pretty cool, uh, to say the least. Um, and they had some, some analysis, and unfortunately, it, it was a little biased toward the belief. Uh, they, I think, really only had one skeptic on that uh, panel that were looking at this video. But, um, yeah, in the end... They judge this uh, Patterson-Gimlin film might just be real based on all the evidence. Uh, not the uh, best scale to say something, yeah, it just might be real. But um, very positive for that. But granted, what are they going to say? It's not real. There's no way to prove it's not real. Uh, at this point, it's too late. Uh, but yeah, that was your number eight story. Uh, number seven Kind of a controversial story. I know. I get it. Uh, number seven was 2021, the year of the serval. Yeah, the serval. So it started back in June. Uh, a woman uh, woke up and saw a serval hovering in her face. And uh, that was a big story. That was all over the news. And, uh, you know, years passed. Uh, the alligator stories were number, uh, it was like, I think it was top five a couple of years ago with uh, the Chicago alligator, um, Chance the Snapper, which, uh, man, it was, uh, that was a huge story. It lasted all year long. And there was a number of sightings uh, all over the East Coast. And, you know, obviously those are just cases where people are, Sadly, just tossing alligators out. We've had a bunch this year, a number of them this year. Uh, but the alligator stories just weren't enough really to crack the top 10 this year. Uh, but the servals definitely were. Uh, there's serval escapees all the time. Uh, but this year, they made uh, they made some big news uh, a few times. So there was one... Uh, so that one in June, and then we had another one uh, not too long. Well, that one was in Georgia, I believe. Yeah, Georgia. And then the uh, they had it in South Carolina. The girl who was going to college at the University of Georgia, uh, she was from South Carolina. She said it's legal there. It should be legal here. Tear, tear, tear. Uh, but, yeah, they uh, threatened. They, I think they did take it away from her, but... Uh, that started up kind of a little bit of controversy about should people be having these animals as pets? She slept with the thing. It was in her bed. That's weird. It's a wild animal. It's it's not a, you know, it's like having a deer in your kitchen. It doesn't make sense. Um, they're wild cats. And it created a, a lot of legislative arguments uh, in the area and, We've seen a number of things happen since uh, in a different couple of different towns. And, of course, we had another one in San Diego that uh, was in September and happened again in uh, December. There was another escapee from 
the uh, uh, another place, and then we had one uh, again in September from Alabama. And a bunch of escapees there. So these things seemed like it just kept popping in. Uh, October, there was another one, Royal Oak, Michigan. Uh, but these were caracals, which are, I guess you can call them cousins to the servals. Uh, very similar looking, big wild cats. They got those big uh, lynx-like tufts of ears at the top of their ears. Uh, but really weird to see all these in the in the top. You know, new searches for for uh, cats, big cats and wild cats and all this stuff. Uh, generally, it's pretty low down. You don't see these stories making a big splash in the news. But a couple of these were were debated on by some of the larger networks, and it was kind of crazy to see this es- escaped exotic pets uh, being a big story in, in the times that we live in. Uh, so I felt that that story deserved to be in the top ten. A lot of people say it's not really paranormal, um, but uh, animals being where they're not supposed to be technically, by definition, are cryptids. Um, But again, it was only number seven. They were still outnumbered by the alligator discoveries and places that they didn't belong. Uh, But these stories together were more viral than those even more plentiful alligator stories. So I felt like as much as I want alligators in the top 10, I just didn't feel like it uh, it belonged this year. Um, so that brings us to number six, the debut of the top six of the top 10 paranormal news stories of 2021. And we'll see. Maybe we won't get through them. We'll have to wait till next year to get number one. If I can drag this out. Now we'll make it. We'll get through them. Uh, number six, I, I think we're hitting the point where uh, some people may argue and say that certain stories should be number one. And I wouldn't argue against it. Uh, there's a big case for this one to be uh, higher up than what it is. As a matter of fact, I, I think I kicked this one down a few notches from where originally I thought this was going to land. And I'll explain why at the end. Uh, so the number six story this year, I guess I'll just say it. It was the Bigelow Consciousness Study. Uh, so Robert Bigelow, you may know that name. Uh, he funded a lot of U- UFO research, uh, was the uh, one of the main people behind MUFON for a while there uh, with his uh, monetary contributions. Uh, he was also involved in a lot of other stuff with UFOs. Uh, he's now focusing his, his efforts on, well, I shouldn't say efforts, probably money, on finding out if there's life after death. So in early January, and this is a, a great story because it bookends the year. Uh, started in early January, he announced his intention of finding evidence of life after death. Uh, and of course, Bigelow is known for Bigelow Aerospace. And his 2008 contract with the Defense Intelligence Agency to investigate UFOs as the Bigelow Aerospace Advanced Space Studies. And of course, you, some of you probably remember uh, Skinwalker Ranch, his ties to that, uh, his ties to the government, which helped create the focus on UFO research that has now become 
mainstream. I mean, it must be nice to, uh, you know, I've got a lot of hobbies I do too. It'd be nice to be able to spend millions of dollars on my hobbies. That would be fun. Um, man, just, I got nothing better to do. I'm just going to spend money on research. Well, I mean, there's a, a kind of a personal thing behind that. Uh, with the family members of his passing away recently, his wife passing away recently. So, you know, there's a little bit of a pull for him emotionally to uh, to kind of figure out what's going on. Uh, so he offered a million dollars to find credible, credible evidence to support the existence of life after death. And, uh, you know, I was excited to talk about that. I didn't know where it was going to go back in January. Uh, the Bigelow Institute for Consciousness Studies was created uh, for this effort. And it was created to, quote, try to conduct research and facilitate research into the possibility of the survival of human consciousness after bodily death, unquote, according to Bigelow. Uh, it was established in June of 2020. Uh, so how was he attempting to find this evidence? Well, he relied on the public through essays. I mean, there are worse ways. So the uh, Bigelow Institute of Consciousness Studies uh, was looking forward to awarding 500000 for the top essay, 300000 for the second best, and 150000 for the third. And I would take that. Uh, essays would be judged by five renowned experts, and the essays uh, were to be received by 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on August 1st. And applicants would have to apply and be approved to be able to submit essays. And um, again, we didn't know, didn't know really what was going to happen. And kind of forgot about the story after... It initially announced and wasn't sure if we'd hear uh, anything after it. Again, um, Bigelow's wife, Diane, passed away after 55 years of marriage. Uh, his son and grandson both committed suicide uh, years ago. So he uh, began to personally ponder the question of what happens to us next. Um so Bigelow did receive over 2,000 responses to the contest with nearly 40 countries represented. I guess, I don't know if it was the money or just the prestige of trying to help answer the question. Uh, the uh, Bigelow Institute of Consciousness Studies narrowed down the papers to 200. They hired six writers and academics that were familiar with the topic to act as judges. And while the intent uh, was to award three winners, like we mentioned, uh, the judges felt there was uh, some very high-quality proposals, and they opted to award 29 essays as winners, uh, with the last 15 being honorable mentions. So this meant the prize money went from nearly $1 million to $1.8 million, with the 11 participants after the top three earning $50,000 and the next 15 earning 20000 for their honorable mentions. I would take that. I would take that. 
Uh, the winning essay belonged to parapsychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. And it was titled, quote, Beyond the Brain, Survival of Human Consciousness After Permanent Bodily Death, unquote. Uh, it was a 98-page essay. I still haven't read the whole thing yet. I uh, kind of glanced through it, um, looking at some of the uh, – there's a lot – there's videos and stuff on it, uh, video clips, testimonials. Uh, I've read uh, pretty much most of it at this point. I kind of glazed over some of it in the middle, admittedly. Uh, it's a long read, and I wanted to read some of the other ones. And uh, all the essays are, are available to be downloaded as PDF files at the Bigelow Institute for Consciousness Studies website at bigelowinstitute.org. And uh, he plans on editing these 29 essays into a series of books, which he intends to give away for free to universities, libraries, hospitals, hospices, and religious organizations. Uh, so whether it's going to have a lasting effect or it's going to change anything, uh, really didn't change anything. I think it opened people's minds to the question, and it was good to read uh, some of this uh, research. Granted, it wasn't uh, – a lot of it was just opinion, really. Uh, so why did the story make the top ten? Now, like I said, the story perfectly bookended the year from the announcement in January to the reveal uh, in November. Uh, the story is one of the few uh, that has had a large positive impact on the paranormal as uh, this is the most work that's uh, pretty much been done on life after death studies in, in decades. Uh, granted, it's not really scientific discoveries, uh, but again, it's, it's good to raise consciousness on the topic but um, bum, pun intended uh, so it's good to get people thinking about it and uh, talking about it that's the important thing you know the more you can stir up people talking about a topic and people start to understand it um, I think it's very it's very positive on the paranormal uh, at least the ghost world uh, so why is it only number six if it's so important why is it down there in number six? Well, despite the work and monetary rewards, the paper, uh, all the papers involved, did little to actually discover or validate anything about afterlife or consciousness. Uh, but hopefully, like I said, its effects will linger. And sadly, the story really didn't get a whole lot of media attention. Uh, I think I accidentally kind of stumbled on it. It, it uh, did make a, a few... Uh, launches in January, but uh, there was really no major follow-up on any uh, major website that I saw when uh, the announcements came. So very sad in that. And if there hadn't been a little bit more focus, who knows? Maybe it might have made number one. Uh, yeah, anytime you got money involved, that's a lot of money, $1.8 million. I'll, I'll be honest, it wasn't the money Okay, it wasn't completely the money, uh, but uh, just being able to uh, come up with an argument, to uh, an, just an argument, kind of like a thesis, to uh, to come up with the, the potential for life after that. I was kind of thinking about writing something for that at the time when it was announced. I thought, hey, you know, even if I pull in a measly hundred and fifty grand for number three, I'll be happy with that. I'll take that home. Actually, no, I'll take it to the bank. But, yeah, I just didn't uh, didn't take the time, didn't do the work. Uh, I wasn't sure if I would make the cut. 
uh, to uh, be able to publish anything, but I guess I probably could have. Uh, but never know now. Never know now. Back to work every day. Uh, so number five, let's crack it open. Officially, the top five here on the uh, top 10 paranormal news stories of 2021. Number five, again, a little controversial. Uh, some people may say, why is that number five? And I'll tell you why it's number five. Number five, well, I got to tell you what it was first, right? So number five was the Houston Tiger Scare. You might remember this. You might not. Uh, back on Sunday, May 9th, residents were beyond startled when they saw a tiger laying in the grass in a street lined with homes in West Houston in a residential area. And for whatever reason, an off-duty police officer approached the tiger with a handgun and pointed it at the animal, uh, but thankfully never fired. After a few tense moments, the tiger wandered the neighborhood uh, after getting uh, a guy came out of his house, basically, and led the tiger into his home. Moments later, the man, now known as Victor Hugo Cuevas, uh, who's 26, loaded the tiger into a white Jeep Cherokee and drove off uh, just as police arrived. Not a Ford Bronco. Jeep Cherokee. Uh, Cuevas uh, evaded police after a short pursuit but was later arrested at his parents' home and was charged with felony evading. He did not have the cat with him. And he and his lawyer stated at the time that he is not the owner of the tiger, which remained on the loose at the time. Uh, Cuevas' lawyer stated that his client is the hero in the situation. He's the one who caught the tiger. Well, in reality, he's the one who had it possession in a residential neighborhood and who allowed it to uh, roam said residential neighborhood uh, with uh, no collar, no nothing, just randomly just laying in people's yards. Uh, but he's all lawyered up because he's uh, he's was currently out on a bond for a murder charge stemming from a 2017 fatal shooting. Uh, you know, I've said it before, you never know what animal might be in your neighborhood. So we had uh, uh, earlier this year, in uh, Texas, San Antonio, a, a man had a tiger escape, jumped into a neighbor's backyard, uh, but luckily he brought it into his home before police arrived and put it in an enclosure where there was other tigers. Um, you know, we forget back in February of 2019, there was a tiger found in an abandoned building in Houston. Uh, that tiger, known as Loki, was trapped in a cage and near death. Um, but, uh, yeah, this tiger, uh, was finally located on Saturday, May 15th. Now, Victor and his lawyer had denied that the tiger belonged to Victor. Uh, but Michael Elliott, the lawyer stated that the person who had the tiger called Victor's wife, uh, Gia stating they had the tiger and were willing to turn it over to police. And it was released that Victor and his wife owned the tiger for about nine months, which is uh, pretty much how old the tiger was. Pretty big for nine years old or nine months old. Uh, the tiger is named India, who was evaluated and sent to the Cleveland Armory Black Beauty Ranch Wildlife Sanctuary in Murchison, Texas. So why is a story about a tiger in the top ten? 
the loose exotic animals that are treated like pets have become a growing problem in the United States. I mean, we just talked about one before this. Uh, the story shocked the nation and lingered in the news and social media for quite a while and has stirred some debate with lawmakers. So why is it number five? But once the tiger was captured, the story pretty much disappeared. This is a pretty big story. It was uh, carried. Uh, people were, this was like breaking news. People were like, oh, it's a tiger loose. It wasn't just a viral video. This was uh, news. And uh, luckily nobody was injured. It was just a scary situation. And then, of course, you have uh, a police chase and a, and a tiger disappears. Uh, had they just uh, captured the tiger right then and there in that front yard, it probably would not have made the top 10 at all. I think the fact that it lingered for a little bit and uh, did start a lot of discussions about exotic pets kept us in the news for quite a while. Number four this year, well, it's been in the top 10 for quite a while. It was uh, last year's countdown. It was number seven and it was the number eight story in 2019. It's gaining ground. And number four this year, Starlink's unintended consequences. Now, they were uh, launched initially in May of 2019. Now, the rocket launches, as well as the string of lights of the deployed satellites, have been creating confusion for viewers on the ground all over the world since that time. Now, one would think after 1,800 of these things being deployed, people would be aware of what they're seeing from the ground. Uh, this year, the madness started in early March as witnesses in New Jersey, Maryland, Virginia, and other East Coast states got a glimpse of a rocket carrying a payload of Starlink satellites. Of course, a lot of people thought it was a giant UFO uh, coming our way. But uh, later, uh, a few weeks later, the Pacific Northwest saw a streaking fireball high in the sky, and some thought it was a UFO, a plane crash, a meteor. Uh, but it was actually the Space Falcon, sorry, the SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket that had been launched on March 4th that failed to make a deorbit burn. Coming back, uh, luckily nothing left of that. Uh, early April, we had residents in Texas reporting multiple lights in the sky. Um, early May, there was a panic from Michigan, Wisconsin, Nevada, Texas. Um, and it just uh, late May, uh, Canada had uh, documented a notable uh, surge in 9-11 calls uh, following launches where the deployment can be seen. In August, we had uh, the close encounters with the, uh, the uh, collision kind, which uh, from space debris, uh, so they were mentioned there. And let's see, November, December, uh, it just never stopped. It was like every month there was a story, uh, multiple states or multiple countries uh, seeing these things and causing a little bit of panic or at least concern. But the good thing is, is there's uh, a little bit more of a turnover time. So when people are reporting these things, the news, uh, the media is uh, reporting right uh, pretty much right away that uh, it's more than likely startling satellites made by SpaceX. So at least there, there's a little bit more of an education. And, you know, when people see these, it's a little scary. So why is it in the number 10, or I should say in the top 10, the Starlink satellites and rockets that launched them have probably accounted for more UFO sightings this year than all of the balloons, meteors, swamp gas that we've uh, seen in the last 10. 
you know, probably responsible for all those increases in UFO stories we had last year. So why is it only number four? Well, despite the growing amount of satellites to the constellation of the trouble they're causing with mounting space junk, the public seems to be finally catching on to what they're seeing after two years. And that brings us to the top three, with number three being the thylacine, one of my favorite creatures, uh, also known as the Tasmanian tiger, uh, was in the news a few times this year. A non-peer paper was re- was published on January 19th of this year that states the thylacine may not have gone extinct back in 1936, but may have persisted into the 1990s or perhaps 20 years ago. Uh, but again, not peer-reviewed, so probably not credible. Uh, then in February 22nd, the biggest news of the year, Neil Waters of the Thylacine Awareness Group of Australia released a three-minute, 20-second video outlining a new discovery. Uh, he claimed that there was not one, not two, but three Tasmanian tigers discovered in the wild. And uh, it started a little bit of controversy. Uh, the news was carrying this. People were really talking about this. Uh, highly debated, uh, but it didn't take too long. Uh, he wanted to drag this thing out for uh, about a week. He was going to make an announcement on March 1st, but it didn't take long. The next day, February 23rd, uh, Nick Mooney, honorary curator of uh, vertebrae zoology at the Tasmanian Museum and Art Gallery, uh, pretty much came out and said, nah, these aren't what you think they are. They're pedamelons not thylacines. And of course, it caused a little controversy. It was arguing, going back and forth. Uh, but this was a kind of a controversial story that uh, went back and forth. And of course, sadly, September 7th was the 85th anniversary of the last living thylacine dying at the uh, uh, Bomaris Zoo in the Hobart of exposure. Um, so we saw original footage of that digitized and colorized, which is sad and exciting at the same time. Um, so that was shot back in 33. So why is it in the top 10? Well, the initial announcement of evidence uh, gave everyone hope that the Tassie Tiger would finally be revealed as alive and well. I know despite uh, the fact that uh, Thylacine Awareness Group has uh, done the similar things in the past with very scant evidence. They just use these announcements to try to gain public traction. We all knew it was going to happen, uh, but the excitement was still there that maybe we could prove science wrong and find one of these things in the wild. So why is it only number three? If the evidence was something more credible, uh, make no mistake, this would have been the number one story easily. Uh, it fell short just as the evidence did, but it was still a very captivating story. And to see the uh, thylacine uh, make big news is is always cool. It's always cool. So number two this year, crazy story. I know you forgot all about this until I mentioned it. Trust me, I know you did. I know you did. Uh, it took place, uh, started in January of this year. Uh, this crazy guy down in Oklahoma created the Sasquatch Quest. So number two, the Oklahoma Sasquatch Quest. Uh, Justin Humphrey, the Oklahoma House of Representatives, introduced House Bill 1648, 
which urged the Oklahoma Wildlife Conservation Commission to establish a Bigfoot hunting season. And uh, it blew up after that. It just went downhill very, very fast. Uh, I was trying to raise money, trying to raise awareness, and trying to raise money at the same time. I get it. Uh, so at the time, he was uh, proposing a $25,000 bounty for Bigfoot's safe capture. Uh, but again, he went kind of went about it the wrong way and created a lot of controversy in the news, a public debate. Uh, in May, he announced the bounty uh, went up. Uh, actually, he went up before that, I think. But uh, in May, it went all the way up to uh, $3 million. Uh, for a live capture of an unharmed Bigfoot. I don't know how that's possible. How can you have possibly eight foot tall, 500 plus pound creature, and you're going to capture it, uh, but not hurt it? I don't think that's possible. Uh, so why is this story in the top 10? Well, it wasn't a whole lot of Bigfoot stories, but this by far was the biggest Bigfoot story of the year. A very viral story. Uh, covered in the media quite heavily all year long. It, it uh, not only made a politician look crazier than normal, but it also stirred debate and discussion about this highly popular cryptid, which was interesting. I didn't see that coming. I just thought that they would just call this guy a wacko. But there was actually some discussion going on about, well, what do you do about Bigfoot? What if you do see one? What happens? You know, we've if you've ever been to a, a cryptid conference – it's probably been discussed, but for the general public to talk about that, a far different thing. Uh, so why only number two? Why didn't it take the number one spot? Well, despite the story being in the news for a good chunk of the year, there was only one story that everyone was waiting on for just a little bit longer. And of course, you might know what that is. Uh, we've been waiting uh, since the previous year pretty much for the announcement of this story. And so have you wait for this announcement since uh, January 1st. So here we are, the number one story for the par top 10 paranormal news stories of 2021. UAP report finally revealed. And of course, it's fallout. Uh, so perhaps Probably, probably and possibly, all in one word, possibly one of the most important UFO stories in decades finally unveiled on June 25th after months of anticipation, six months of anticipation. It all finally came down to a ginormous report. Okay, it was only nine pages, uh, but it, uh, the, I think the lead up was bigger than the actual reveal to be honest uh it, the uh report stated 144 reports originated from 2004 to 2021 of these uh, 80 reports involved observation with multiple sensors 18 incidents described in 21 of the 144 reports there was observations of unusual movement by the uap including patterns of light flight characteristics uh so of the 144 reports, only one was able to be identified with high confidence, which was discovered to be a large deflated balloon. Of course, this was the conclusion of the in-house investigation 
of these reports. Uh, so does the did the report really uh, point to alien powered craft like a lot of people were talking about? You know, it seemed to be the focus. No, no, it didn't. Uh, it seemed like the more and more uh, stuff that's coming out of the government. Uh, its side of the table is pretty much pointing toward foreign adversaries or technology that is existing. Um, but it seems like they're aiming toward other governments, but I don't know. I, I think that maybe there's a domestic technology thing going on here. Uh, but there's been a lot of fallout from this. Uh, we've seen a lot of videos disseminated by the general public. And it, it's just... It didn't stop. It didn't stop for a little while. Uh, it was uh, heavy through July, but uh, eh. it, it kind of it kind of faltered out. But never fear, we got a little bit of uh, a boost toward the end of the year with the 2022 National Defense Authorization Act and its 1,362 pages, uh, which is calling for a permanent office designed to address unidentified aerial phenomena. Or UFOs. So we've got 180 days. And we'll get the uh, official announcement for that. Which is uh, kind of piggybacking off of the release of this information. This is a very limited information to boot. But, uh, you know, you can use the disclosure word all you want. Uh, because I think this is as close as we're going to get for that. Um, so this UAP office... He's going to provide the Senate and House uh, Armed Services committees with uh, reports. So we're, I'm excited. We'll see what happens with that, how that develops. Will that continue to be the number one story next year? We have to wait a year to find out. Well, maybe less than a year, but uh, about that much time to see if this UFO drama lingers in the news. And if anything comes about it at all, we'll see what happens. Uh, so why was the story number one? I think it's kind of a silly question. Um, but uh, if you've really been paying attention for longer than a couple of years, you'll know uh, that UFOs were not always taken very seriously uh, by the media or anybody in the general public. I kind of laughed at people who believed them were put down and categorized uh, for not being very smart. Uh, but UFOs are finally being taken seriously, despite the reality of these reports being uh, more for potential foreign technology. Um, it's mind-numbing to see that the U.S. government is more concerned about UFOs than those who used to push the disclosure movement. So yeah, we hear the, the government talking more about UFOs now than we do uh, organizations that are out there set to investigate it. So that's your top 10 paranormal news stories for 2021. Very happy to bring that to you. And uh, I'm going to work on getting that into a blog. Probably not till after the new year. But uh, it, it'll be coming soon. Very soon. So, uh, so you, you'll have uh, extra links to that. You'll have some photographs to accompany these stories. A little bit more of a dynamic than just hearing me talk about it for uh, two hours or an hour. Or an hour last week, an hour this week. And I uh, do appreciate everybody for coming out. Do appreciate your support all year long. And every week I'm here on the show. I know I took a, quite a few sabbaticals this year, a couple weeks off here and there. 
Uh, but I, I do appreciate everybody for tuning in each and every week. You make it worth it. And I do appreciate uh, all the uh, fan mail that I get. Well, I don't really get much fan mail. But anyway, whatever I get is good. And I do appreciate it. And I want everybody to have a safe and happy new year. Keep all your fingers and appendages attached. And I will, I guess I'll see you next year. Well, next week. But uh, yeah, next year, next week, same thing. But for now, keep your eyes in the skies, your ears in the woods, the hair standing on the back of your neck. And always keep your mind slightly ajar. And above all else, don't stop believing. For the Paranormal News Insider, this is Dr. Brian D. Parsons reporting.